Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, back in my home studio, so things look a little bit cleaner. Joined, as always, by my co-host, the wonderful Kevin Gallagher. And today, we are joined by a guest who's coming off of a dynamite performance at the inaugural BJJ Woodstock event presented by Subspectrum. How you doing, Jordan? Uh, he, this man is a BJJ brown belt at Kindred Jiu-Jitsu, a longtime no-gi competitor, and the current Subspectrum flyweight champion, Austin Daffy Duck Daffron. Uh, Austin, thank you so much for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me out. Yeah, well, I... After talking with you right after your your performance, I'm like, we got to get this guy on. Like, this is this is one cool cat, and uh, the the performance itself was phenomenal. So, uh, just how how are you feeling after that? I'm feeling good. Uh, definitely would you know want to test myself against uh, you know better competition, have a more competitive <laughs> match. I always you know want the best guys possible. Uh, it definitely went my way that night. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of other good matchups out there. So Now, was this – this wasn't your first time competing for Subspectrum, am I right? Or this was what? my third time. It was your third time. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did – how was it uh, that you came to know Jordan and the promotion and, and started competing under them? Um, you know, just ambitious blue belt looking for submission-only competitions. <laughs> Um, so I hit him up. He got me on the show. I flew out to Iowa. I competed in their first 145 event. Super good competition too. Uh, first time to get to see like a national level of competition and competitors. Um, and it, I was, you know, I was just like blown away. Uh, it was probably, I think it was like in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jason Rao. Damian Anderson, Keith Kikorian, all out there doing doing leg locks. I was like, what in the hell is this? Really good jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, and I got my butt kicked. Got to learn a lot. I uh, got like five matches. It was a really good event. Now, I, I'm just going to kick it over to Kev G real quick. Hey, Kev, do you remember when you were an ambitious young blue belt? Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> I could a blue belt. I, I – uh... Yeah, there was nothing ambitious about me at Blue Belt. <laughs> Back when, did you now? Did you ride what? What kind of dinosaur did you ride to practice every day? <laughs> I was still, uh, I was still tinkering around with MMA at uh, at Blue Belt. I hadn't, re- I hadn't really decided much about uh, jujitsu as a competitive venture at that time. It's funny just thinking about that. It's, it makes me remember how far, or makes me like think about how far the competitive jiu-jitsu realm has grown in just that short period of time and i was a blue belt six years ago seven years ago six years ago and in that time seven years ago maybe but in in that i mean god when i was a blue belt, i don't even think there was a metamorris at that time i think maybe metamorris one had just come out right when i was about to get my purple belt but the idea of any type of competitive everything was mma you did jiu-jitsu because you wanted to you know go take it over to mma and like maybe there was you know a grappler's quest or some kind of local jujitsu tournament to go compete at, but even God, the game has changed so much in that I time. Mean, I mean, Austin, you were just talking about like the allure of the leg locks kind of got you early on, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and Seattle at that time, especially, it just wasn't, you know, 2017. Like, it had been at ADCC, you know, all the major competitions. But here it was really IBJJF-focused. Um, I was lucky. Um, by 2017, I had a gym that allowed me to do heel hooks in the room, which was just fucking crazy at that time. Um, I remember before that, I was training at Baja, and it was just like, you got to be a brown belt until you learn how to defend a toehold and a knee bar. Um, but then as you know, the times change, everybody's picking up on the, the leg game. And you know, now I'm very comfortable with the legs. Before, I was like getting tapped out left and right. Uh, in competition to toe holds, knee bars, heel hooks. And uh, now I'm pretty comfortable. That is, it's crazy to think about the, the stigma against leg locks that used to exist. It still exists, but that how big it used to be compared to now where like the general consensus is if you're not focusing on legs, at least a little bit at every, at every belt rank, you're basically in the stone age. Yeah. And, yeah, we we didn't. Uh, I mean, we weren't. Like, there's still some gyms that do this. Like, they don't let you start doing leg locks until blue belt halfway through your blue belt, purple belt. You're not even allowed to start attempting heel hooks. And there's some thought to that. You know, you guys, younger guys, don't necessarily have the same control or positions. In the 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 injuries tend to be more catastrophic from a blown ACL as opposed to like some excited blue belt hyperextending your arm from an armbar, but. You have to learn it. Like I didn't start doing leg locks until brown belt, and it literally took me. I had to rethink my entire jujitsu approach to change everything. It's not just learning how to do leg locks. It's the strategical aspect of building off of those submissions into other options and vice versa that changes. So, man, you have to you have to start learning them in the beginning and just to get accustomed to the fact. Okay, this is just part of the game, and it's I can't believe it was never like that for whatever reason they decided to say oh no these are just too dangerous you can't do that and i mean like in sub only it's i mean <laughs> try going sub only without leg attacks i'll even i'll even counter this like we have come so far in the leg lock game that leg locks aren't necessarily obsolete but they have become it's come to the point to where like guys understand the leg lock game so intricately that you can't just say, I'm just going to go out there and leg lock, leg lock, leg lock, because guys understand the defenses. You have to have a complete game. And that's the whole goal of bringing leg locks into the, into the, into the system is that now, because you can't, because everyone now, everyone knows how to defend leg locks. You have to work on your other aspects of your jiu-jitsu game to get better so that you have a complete game. And that's what we're starting to see with these new grapplers. And it's exciting. Like young guys like yourself coming up, I'm sure you have a very complete game and way better than just a leg lock guy. Yeah, that be that being said, I do uh, teach some classes, and I do not allow you know blue belts. You know, there'll be at least a blue belt to heel hook. Uh, really, they should just be working on the leg positions, like understanding like single leg X, um, inside triangle four eleven, honey hole, whatever you want to call it. Understanding and identifying the leg positions, and you know working the control, and then after your you know higher level blue, maybe a purple belt somewhere between there adding in the heel hooks and the finishes because those will come, but the control takes a long period of time. If you don't understand uh, the control of the position, how to off balance people from the leg entanglements, you're just going to get fucking squished and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be like the worst time ever. Yes. Yeah, it's it's in We, I had, a, I did a podcast on a different show earlier with Robin Denarfia, who's a big leg lock guy. One of my black belt brothers, big pioneering leg lock guy down here in, in the Tampa area. And we talked a lot about that. The idea that, you know, 
all all of the entanglements aren't just there for leg locks. There's also like you know, Marcelo Garcia, you know, in not necessarily invented, but made the inside lace or the uh, the single outside Ashi, uh, single X Ashi, you know, famous. He never he never used it for um, for leg locks, but he'd come up for a sweep off of it. Same thing with uh, what is it the inside lace or the Asagrami, I think whatever the hell we call it, the honey hole. Like Gordon Ryan used that in the worlds. To, to sweep everybody went again he went against because it's legal to go for the inside because you're not on the outside two weekend knees so you come up into that 401 from a from a guard position roll them up flip down get your sweep and score your two points so everything that incorporates a leg lock is still a sweep or a pinning motion and then you get that learning from that from that place yeah I would agree it's pre- yeah. it's a pretty big fad right now and it one thing it drives me fucking insane is just to see two guys sit on their ass and fucking like <laughs> fall to their side for you know heel hooks or like you know leg entanglements for the whole fucking match and just waiting for guys to do something. It's the most boring thing. Like you know, it's never gonna make jujitsu a spectator sport, and like nobody knows what the fuck's going on. There's, it's like my friends are watching. They're just like, get up and like do something. Like this, what do you do? You just sit on your butt and you like try to grab the guy's feet. I, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about, Austin. For me, there's nothing. Uh, there's no better way to start a match. More, no more exciting way to start a match than a double guard pull. All right, you kidding me? Pull. Like it's. It's like, oh man, now it's on. <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't even. I couldn't even get through that one. No, I was just glad that this uh, BJJ Woodstock. There was. There was none of that, which I was really happy about. Even in regulation, where it's sub only, there was. There was no like double guard pulls that I could come like that I can think of off the top of my head. Like the matches were a lot more like, Oh wait, you're smiling. Like I'm forgetting one. <laughs> <laughs> there were some boring matches. I mean, I look, I was, maybe it was because of the rule set being the way it was that at, at, in overtime things picked up a lot more because of points. Guys are waiting the whole regular. Okay, I only I only watched one match, and it oh, seemed like okay, the- <laughs> and I commentated. <laughs> so I know, I know. I watched the match before mine. And it just seemed like they're really pacing themselves for the points. There um, were. I mean, I was talking to Jordan, and he said that Tenth Planet guys straight up like do not like this rule set that he set up because they're they're so in love with sub only, and they don't like the points. Dude, yeah, but you get the same thing with the guys who do the points. They 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 pace out ten minutes. Okay, like and also like the ten minutes was I thought it was, uh, maybe it was for them. It was six and three. So I yeah. thought it was going to be seven minutes sub only, then three minutes uh, points. But I didn't realize it was ten minutes sub only, and then another extra three minutes on that's, points. That makes a lot a long, more sense. That's a long yeah. match, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, especially when you win ten minutes sub only, you got to suck it up, and now get a three-minute points match on. And just like you said, there's a lot of strategy involved with that because guys now will say, well, I'm just going to save myself and, and put a big push in to um, to the uh, to the finals. That brings up a pretty cool question, man. Like, I don't mean to, to divert a little bit unless you want to keep talking about subspecial because I, I, I missed the event. We can get back, I, we can get back yeah, to it, man. Don't worry about I it. I saw a lot of the event. You seem like a smart cat. I want to I get your opinions on some things, man. Um when you when you start to do the th- as my old my old man Jivey talk, you like that? <laughs> You're a cool all, cat, all them, all Austin. Them cool cats out there. <laughs> you won Jive Turkey. <laughs> you know when you talk about creating a, an event that truly shows who the better grappler is, it's always difficult to come up with an opportunity when 
what really makes the best grappler when they're not allowed if there's an event that people are allowed to strategize in order to game the rules you know i mean you can look at all these different things obviously submission only no time limit is probably the best way to gauge but is it really the best way to gauge because if you're not working worrying about positional stuff you're not incorporating who's could punch somebody in the face you know what i'm talking about because amount means a whole lot more if now in an actual martial art aspect you're punching someone in the face another example is like fight to win yes fight to win is all about submission only and the man who wins at the decision time is the one who throws up the most submissions but as me and you could both say it's not always about the guy you could throw up 30 submissions on me if they're all trash and i finish one i still win you know what's what do you think about that what do you think about creating a game plan or creating an event a rule set that actually truly shows who the better grappler is without allowing for people to strategize against the rules to do that. Ooh, that's yeah. a loaded question. Honestly, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt my own case as a grappler too, I think the answer is there's always going to be a way to game the rule sets. It's going to be the grapplers who are able to compete under different stipulations, whether it's IBJJF, ADCC, EBI, Jiu-Jitsu OT, um, <laughs> and then go fight in MMA. Um, that you know ultimately is going to be like that's how you develop really good grappling, where it doesn't necessarily like you're not a good grappler just because of the rule set. You're a good grappler because you're a good grappler. You can go use it in CJJ. You can go use it in MMA in an actual fight. You can go play the IBGGF game. You could, uh, you know, hop into all these different rule sets and still be a, you know, really talented grappler. I think no matter what rule set you have, you're going to find people who will game it. Um, you know, and rightfully so. If everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. And if I can get an advantage uh, by playing the rules, you're damn straight I will. Right. I'll try to fucking win the match. It's what makes champions. And it's a sad fact, but that's the absolute truth. As much people want to say, like, Hodger Gracie submitted everybody, yeah. But if Hodger Gracie was up by two points with 30 seconds left and he was going to go for a tricky mount instead of just maintaining position to win the match, eh, his odds of going for that mount are probably not going to be as high as you might want to think. I, yeah. I would agree. I'm not yeah. a super – I'm not Hodger Gracie, so – yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be a really good point to talk. I think that's a really good transition to talk about your thoughts on MMA. Just because we, I remember we talked very briefly about uh, your experience with uh, uh, MMA. Uh, you had had, you'd had some fights, right? Yes. I have had uh, four amateur fights uh, kind of before I started doing jiu-jitsu as seriously uh when i was you know i think uh might have been a white belt or just got a blue belt i did uh, a couple of amateur fights so yeah how did how did your feelings about ha have those fights and that experience affected the way you grapple or do you think you've you've sort of more transitioned fully into being a i mean you're a brown belt now so i feel like you you know what's up but did you learn what did you learn from those fights, if anything, that carried into your game now? What did I learn from the I didn't necessarily learn anything in particular from the fights other than like the skill level in MMA for amateur level MMA 
if you're a good blue belt, you can go out there. Like I submitted everybody, all the MMA fights. And I thought I was pretty damn good at jujitsu at the time, but frankly, I, I sucked ass. I had like no guard, no, like I had, I had a good guillotine. I literally guillotined like four people. That was pretty much the extent to it. I was competing in the wrong weight class. And I thought I was like, yeah, I'm a pretty good grappler. And I started to get into some uh, Nagas, some, you know, grappling events. I was competing gi and no gi. And I was kind of getting my butt kicked. And I was like, I thought I was like doing all right because I was, you know, I was a white belt coming in. Um, and then I, you know, started hopping these MMA fights. I was submitting the guys. I was like, I'm damn good at, uh, you know, jujitsu. And then I started doing like the, the Nagas and the local competitions. And I just got murked. I got like fucking heel hooked left and right. I got toe hold, knee barred, strangled. It was, it was a really rough time. Um, I will say the composure you build when you're in an actual fight and then you go do like a grappling match. It's like, oh, it's, it's a grappling match. I'm as cool as a cucumber. I see guys in the back hyping themselves up. Like the guy I went against that uh, subspector was mean mugging me. I know he's an MMA fighter. Just like coming up, just like, just like dude, you know, I'm not that intimidated. We're not, we're going to, we're going to have a grappling yeah. match. Right. Right. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you'll strike me in the face if you get angry. Yeah. Please, please don't die. elevator yeah. sweep me. I mean, I, yeah, no. <laughs> right. oh, shout, shout out Tex Johnson. Hope you're having a good day. I know. Yeah, attack it. Yeah, attack it. Attack it. Like, uh, I, I saw that somewhere. It's like, Steve, like, struck him and he's, oh, it was an accident. Like, yeah, so, Dude, I, I thought, I thought he, uh, he, he was a, a different guy. I was he, trying to punch the guy behind him. <laughs> he smacked me in the face in our match, too, and I smacked him back. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I don't, I don't play that shit, dude. I'll, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Kevin. Nice Guy until you piss me off. I'll, I'll play that game with you. I think, um, one thing that I'll just add to that in, in terms of what, you know, the benefits of are gained from MMA. It's kind of the same thing you gain from, from wrestling is that like a lot of times MMA or jujitsu guys, unless you're accustomed to, you know, I use the gi as an example of, of the grind, you know, cause there's, I don't think there's anything too much more, too more diff, too much more difficult in grinding than like learning how to pass somebody's guard in the gi. You got to fight for your grips and you got to grind through it and your opponent's fighting for their grips and grinding and working super hard for those positions. And in a lot of modern, you know, submission only grappling in particular, you don't see a lot of emphasis on those grinds. Everything's kind of cool and technical and flowing, which is beautiful to watch, but there's not that grind and that grind kind of adds toughness. So when you think about MMA, it's almost always a grind, especially wrestling. That's one of the reasons why I feel like wrestlers become, you know, the best MMA fighters. And and when you talk about what MMA brings to the table and some of the things that like prepare guys that that are that I notice when I grapple dudes that are like blue belts but maybe fought blue belt or is that they're just tough, you know. They and like whether or not they know what they're doing, they're committed to what they're doing and they're going to do it hard and they're going to continue through and they don't know what's happening, but they know I can't be here no more because this might happen. So they posture up and they get strong and they put themselves in good bases. You get that grind from the wrestling and MMA and things like that. Yeah. The one thing I will say that could all the grind, the grind's good. And I think no matter if you're an MMA fighter, if you're a butt scooter, if you're like a good guard passer, you need to be able to develop the grind, whether it's taking someone down, grip fighting, fighting for head position. Like you have to have that. 
But the one liability, I think, with the MMA fighters is sometimes they're moving so quickly without a purpose. It's one thing when you have a purpose on a guard pass, you're cutting angles side to side, you're fucking driving your head in their face, you're circling, you know, and you're, you're getting the guy exhausted, you're putting pressure on him. It's another thing when you see guys like do cartwheels and they're just like moving aimlessly. Right. Um, and I think you get that a little bit more so with uh, MMA fighters where they have like really high enthusiasm moving left and right, but it's just without a, like a direction. Uh, not all of them, obviously. There are some really fucking good guys at you know jujitsu and MMA. Wagner Rocha is a, is a good example. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like no matter what competitive style you have, if you're a flowing guy, if you kind of move with this and that, or you know, you know, you kind of use a technical game. Like, there's going to be an opportunity come up in your competitive career where you just have to win something. We have to win that dogfight. You have to fight through an uncomfortable position because the other guy wants it just as much. And learning to to grind through that just teaches you. It's not like you know shooting a double leg on somebody and and trying to finish and and, and work hard where the guys resisting. There's no like, hey, sweet little technical way to do that. You just got to grind through that shit. You go who 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 the guy who wants it more is going to finish it. But I agree yeah. with you 100. That that goes too far when you have guys that are aimlessly moving around. Then it goes counter to what jiu-jitsu is all about, which is efficiency and you know efficiency of your movement. Yeah, and I, I kind of get what you're saying, especially now in modern day jiu-jitsu, where people want to do like you know the fanciest new leg entanglement. They want to do the delahiva reverse delahiva guard. It's like, dude, how about instead of you doing a back step and you get into you know fancy leg entanglement, you just like pressure the guy and pass his guard, keep good head position, keep driving in, you know, and work to take the guy down, pass his guard, like get positional control rather than doing some complicated movement. Sometimes like the simple, most direct answer is the best answer. And people are just like, you know, don't want to hear that. You know, sometimes, sometimes it isn't and you need to redirect, but I feel like most of the time you have like newer people and they want to do the most complicated thing. Uh, you know, they want to like drive all the way around instead of taking like the straight direct route that may be a little bit harder, a little bit more taxing. I think I believe that we're starting to see the combination, the, the, the meeting point of those two styles. I think for a while we had these flashy kind of movements that were effective because the old grinders didn't really understand them. But I think now as we're seeing the new crop of jujitsu people that are starting, you know, in their teens as, you know, Tackett's and uh, Robert, uh, whatever his name is, Roberto Roberto Jimenez, Jimenez, guys like that, that are, you know, 19, 20 years old, but have been grappling for, you know, 10 years already. We're starting to see they implement those flashy things, but they understand the fundamentals. They understand the pressure and the grind like, like, like nobody's business. It's fun. Me as a, as a spectator and someone that kind of, wow, you got to have fundamentals. You know what I mean? Like I appreciate watching the, the combination of two. I'm excited about watching a modern grappler even though I hate grappling competitions, but whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, Sorry. I think, I think, I think the now is a really good time to sort of go into um, dissecting your match a little bit. By the way, this, this photo I love just cause you were saying, yeah, he was mean mugging you. And like the amount of overhead lighting in the picture they used, just like, you're just here. You're just vibing out. This guy looks like he's going, he's going for blood. Um, how, how was it preparing for this matchup? Uh, I mean, I had a match with them previously. Um, 
for the like the 35 event. It was a tournament setting, so it was a little bit different. And I, the first time around, like I just thought I was gonna walk through them. Um, I it was like a, it was an eight man tournament, and I knew I had Junie in the finals. And you know, I came out there, and I came out there, and I just decided to wrestle with the guy. And I thought, you know, easily beat him anywhere. And I did like still beat him, but it was a really exciting match because I was doing the stand up. Um, you know, I was working my guard. I was working my guard on the wrong side too, where he was a little bit better at guard passing. Um, so it was a really, really exciting match the first time around. Uh, the second time around, I had a pretty good idea that I was going to end up in a triangle. And I thought I would definitely finish this, uh, finish him this time around in a triangle. Um, and I thought it was very unlikely that it'd be as competitive, but I was still working, you know, my points, ADCC rule set. Um, so I, I put in a lot of time for this and then me making 25 is, uh, you know, it's a sacrifice. So I was definitely, I was, you know, ready, ready for this match. Now I think it's, it's, it's annoying, but I do think we have to talk about, uh, Nate's reaction to the end of the match. There was a bit of controversy because he, I don't know, Kev, if you saw this, but he claimed that he did not tap. <laughs> and I feel like Austin, you're probably the best person to ask about this, but did he tap? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Like things like this is just like really scumbaggy. I just like, okay, if you didn't tap, let's start in the same position and just set me in the triangle. I'll, I'll break the guy's arm. Like his arm already popped a couple times right and he 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 did tap it was just he was being really sneaky about it he like mumbled it first where honestly like i couldn't even really hear him so i'm like no i'm gonna keep keep going on this and then once i heard him tap he said it quietly the second time and then i started to make eye contact with the ref because you know i'm not gonna like hold on to the guy's arm extra but it was kind of hard to hear and i think by the third time he said tap it was pretty obvious um but if it wasn't obvious. Let's restart in the same position and with a fully locked in triangle, uh, his arm in the hip and his, his arm would have just would have broke. It would have been like the other subspectrum event when Hannah broke that girl's arm in a fucking Kimura and it would have been brutal. So he should thank the ref really, because I think he did him a solid. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm very, uh, I, I, first of all, I hate that. I hate when guys, say they don't tap they didn't tap i hate it like it's like you know you tapped <laughs> like i there's something yeah. about that that just makes me angry on so many levels it's like it's a cheap thing to do you, 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 you motion to someone like you might not have been thinking about it but like your arm is getting wrecked your heel hooks about your your knees about to come undone you were kind of waving towards your 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 leg or whatever and like i ref and I, i've been through this all the time on the other side of the equation when guys like I didn't tap, I didn't tap. It's like, bro, yeah, you did. And if you didn't, too bad because I don't want you to have to go have freaking reconstruction surgery on your elbow. So let's just move on with your life. But like to me, that's I can't think of too many things more in sportsman like than screaming and hollering. Like you know, you tapped. You're just trying to get away with it. Most of the time, it's he probably didn't even really want to continue. He just wanted to make it known that he didn't tap. So that like now he can bitch and complain. Now he can say that like, you know, that he saves his face when he goes back in the room and talks about, well, you know, man, that's bullshit. I didn't tap. Well, man, your arm was kind of like bending the other direction. I think that maybe you might, maybe you should have tapped, but 
Yeah, it's it's it pisses me off. Man. Yeah, it was a weird one too because he verbally tapped and like you know I I was all for just restarting the position and just like the sideline was like no we heard him say tap uh, so he was just like clearly lying right and it wasn't like like he almost like tapped me and then didn't tap it was just like he actually clearly said it and he was just trying to be sneaky about it at first but by the third time he said it. It was, I think it was pretty obvious, but I was all for just resetting the position. Are you sad, lonely, scared? Do your friends point and laugh at how bad your outside heel hooks are? Have you given up hope? Well, chin up, comrade! BJJ Black Belt and purveyor of fine coffee, Josh Starlord LaDuke is here to change your life. Buy his new DVD, Quantum Breaking Mechanics, with the link in the description to gain all the secrets of foot mangling and knee wrecking to destroy all who stand in your way. Now Josh doesn't know we're sharing this, so act fast before he finds out and unmakes us with the power of his mind. Shit, that's him. Oh, he's pissed. Uh, anyway, I, I gotta go, but uh, click the link and uh, always heal hook responsibly. Yeah, you yeah. seemed like I, I couldn't really tell what was being said on the stage, but it, you, it seemed like you were down for whatever. Like, okay, put me back. But he, like, it, it the match was over. Like, everyone knew it was over too. You know, like even if we didn't hear the tap, we knew that's probably what was happening. And I don't. It's it's weird because I've never I've heard of people saying this stuff happens sometimes. I've never personally seen and or rolled with someone that's done this and i was just i was wondering uh kev and austin does this happen more than i'm aware of like austin have you ever had someone refuse to admit they tapped when they tapped um so i have not had this happen but i will say on practice on monday with my training partners i was like because he, he said uh he didn't say he said to the ref after he's like i said move i didn't say tap and then we you know on my practice on Monday with my partners like practically in with a rear naked choke. I'm like tap tap, and I'm like no, bro. I said move, get off of me. That I keep because <laughs> they asked That's... me too. They're like, dude, what happened? We didn't have any audio on it, but it looked like the, there was some controversy on whether they got tapped or not. <laughs> and I had to tell them what happened, and then we're we're both doing that on like Monday. Monday practice is pretty funny. I got. Yeah, I, I had a good time with it. I got practice later today. I'm gonna see if that. I'm gonna break that one out next time I'm rolling with my coach and see if that works. You know, like coach, I, you didn't. You're. You, I'm sorry. You. 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 You don't understand what I was saying. I was saying move. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder how many teeth he'll knock out of my head. <laughs> I have. I've been a referee quite a bit, and I come into similar situations with this all the time. We kind of had the similar situation with. Um, uh, Craig Jones and that sub sub submission underground not too long ago. And, you know, they put these rules in place to, for a reason. And the reason being is, is they tell you, Hey, look, if you motion, cause I've had so many times where guys like, you know, understand what this is a tap, right? So if you have a rear naked choke on and you're reaching to pull it off and as you're reaching, you're doing this as a referee, I see that as a tap, Right. We tell we tell we tell competitors, look, verbal taps are in place. So if I hear you screaming, whether it's tap, whether it's move, whether it's this, whether it's that, anything you're doing in agony, 
represents to me that you are in trouble and need to submit to a situation. And the reason why we draw those lines of distinction and we make them very seriously, you know, upheld is because you can't really reset a we can't really reset from a submission opportunity that is equally you know, recreates the scenario equal for the both parties. Because if I'm in the position in real time of sinking in a choke, right, and the choke is starting to slide under the chin and you're starting to feed back out again, and then we have to restart from that position, you know, all you got to do is this, all you have to do, it's not the same and it's not fair to the competitors. So anytime you have an opportunity, like, to, to mention towards a tap, you say tap, and then one quick story. I did have that happen to me one time. I had somebody in a rear naked choke when I was a blue belt competitor competing in a local tournament. I had him a rear naked choke. He clearly tapped the ref. When I got up and got off, he was like, "I didn't tap, I didn't tap." So they made us restart in the same position. Obviously, I got to tap, and this time I held that fucking submission for an extra like fucking. I, I weighed like literally like the referee had to like pull me off, and I was like, "Hey, bro, just wanted to make sure you tapped, man." <laughs> now, Kev, are you sure he didn't say move? Because that's a whole different. <laughs> That's like a it's whole different story. thing now. Yeah, like that's like th everyone knows the move rule. Helio was very clear at the beginning right. of jujitsu that like, Moves like cool. if he says move, that's yeah. not a that's you like that move. That in fact, just move. In Perfectly fact, fine. if you're if someone's choking you and you say move, you actually win the match, and the other guy's got to give you like twenty dollars. Like uh, it's crazy <laughs> that this isn't talked about more, but like that's move, actually the rule. <laughs> it's written in the the old bylaws, right? God, yeah. fucking this, this, this fucking MMA fighter is gonna see this and kick the shit out of me. <laughs> Just he only weighs like 110 pounds. I ain't worried about him. Yeah, <laughs> no, but again, that, that, again, that is actually true. Again, he's as he's beating, as he's, I'm only fucking with y'all. As he's beating, beating me up, I'll just say move, and then he's gotta stop. Right? Move. Yeah, exactly. Move. Yeah, it's great. Oh my god, that is funny. I didn't even, I didn't know that. That's what he said. That that's oh, yeah, what he yeah, thought he said. And it was the same, like. Because it is a weird situation with, uh, I feel like, Craig Jones. But now I understand it a little bit more. Because the ref was like, you know, the side was like, he clearly said tap. But the ref was like, I don't care what you said. You verbally said something. So okay. I'm in the match. So that there's, there's, it's weird because under the rule set, that, that the ref did the right thing. Because it wasn't that he said tap. It was that he made a verbal submission. And that, like, the, the ref read his gurgle, like, his involuntary reaction to being put in the tight body triangle, like, as the air was forced out, as he, a tap. He also had that pretty nasty face crank. Yeah, the, like, yeah. there was a lot of stuff going on. And so under the SUG rule set, and we talked to the Heather about this, that was – that was kosher what he did you know and a lot of people are like that's that's not really a tap but under their rule set it was like a, it was it questionable okay. yes was it completely ridiculous absolutely not like, yeah I mean, this Greg, like Greg should know that too yeah no and like the they the rules committee like we talk about this a lot and that's that the amount of different rule sets and the possibility for confusion in jujitsu is a lot it, it's it, it's crazy. Like how many rules? How many different rule sets have you competed under? Under Austin, off the top of your head, have you only been sub only? I've been only no gi for uh, since I was a uh, like blue belt, pretty much purple belt on. I was pretty much only no gi. I've done uh, combat jitsu. I just did the. I do a lot of Eddie's events, so whatever like nonsense he does, like the jujitsu <laughs> OT, boom, I'm there, <laughs> slapping people. I'm gonna I'm gonna get fucking slapped. Like that's just what it is. EBI, 
you know, gaming the whole thing, making it to overtime, winning that motherfucker. Um, you know, so whatever. Jordan has, you know, same kind of thing. He'll do points. He'll do, like, modified ADCC, IBJJF, kind of mixes it together with the, the point structure. I'm there for that. IBJJF, I've done a couple Nogi Worlds. I'm like, I don't know about this IBJJF nonsense, but if it's Nogi Worlds time, sign me up. I'm going to pull off the upset and just fucking without, you know, <laughs> any strategy, just win this whole thing. So I, I've, I've done a couple of their events um, for the, the Nogi Worlds. So, you know, any Nogi competition, I've, you know, I've, I've mixed it up with the rule sets, but I definitely prefer, uh, you know, all submissions legal. That's something I have a strong preference about. Um, whether it's point structure or no point structure, I think there are advantages to having uh, a point structure for definitely developing certain skill sets. Uh, that being said, I, I do love uh, Eddie's rules, EBI. It's one of my favorite rule sets. And, you know, if it's 10 minutes, I'm going to go for it the whole 10 minutes. I'm not going to, like, sit back and wait till an overtime. I'm going to, like, push and grind it out to attack the whole 10 minutes. And I do really like his overtime structure. Uh, a lot of people will say, hey, you didn't earn that back position. You didn't earn the arm bar, which is true. It, it is very true. I, I do agree with that. But for developing a skill set, it's, it's helped me out a lot. It's helped me out a ton. I would never be as good as I am without the EBI rule set because I, my back control was shit. You know, my arm bars are getting better. I'm improving on them. Um, I've been working, you know, the, the arm bars from the triangle, just regular arm bars. I'm trying to get better there. And there's something to the rule sets, improving your skill sets. So I definitely have a little bit of a bias towards the EBI because a lot of the, the cash competitions have come from EBI rule sets, you know, without being like a world-class black belt, um, you know, for paying out competitors. But, you know, I, I definitely try to mix it up. Do you, do you, so it sounds like you prefer in EBI over time getting the back as opposed to getting the arm. Is that, is that accurate? Like do, in, when it gets to that time, are you usually going to go off for back control? So I will tell you, uh, that used to be the case for sure. <laughs> After, uh, doing Eddie's, uh, jujitsu overtime, I kind of changed my opinion on it. Um, and it always as just as a grappler, I'm like, I want to work towards getting to the back. And when I do backgrounds, I get better at finishing and defending the back. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I love the backgrounds because it just fits right into my game when I do get the back control from just regular rounds. Because how often are you going to be on like a, you know, black belt's back? You know, maybe really fucking good, like one time in a roll. You know, you're a lot better than the guy, maybe a couple times, but it's really difficult to get to, you know, world-class competitors back. But if you have done a ton of backgrounds, you get there, you're going to finish. Um, and the reason I kind of changed it is because some people are just so good on the back, on defending, on rotating. Um, if you just switch it up on the armbar position, you're, you're going to, you're more likely to get a finish. So kind of same thing with gaming. It's like, you know, this guy's really good at the back, but once I go arm bar, I feel like I have a stronger chance to finish. And, I, you know, sorry, I, what was that? No, you're good, man. So I'm just 
losing my focus, so I feel like I have to talk so I don't fall asleep. It's not, no, not, no, no, not, no. It's not, it's not, I just zone off into the, into the space. It's not you. It's my ADD. I apologize. Go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's been the case with me. I've been getting finished in these events from armor positions, so I need to strengthen my offense and my defense from there. Uh, so that's kind of why I've changed my opinion. And also, when you, you break it down, before it was just like five minutes, which is pretty long, but when it's a five-minute round for the total time, it makes a lot more sense to go back just for the control. But when it's a two-minute round, eh, I think you can uh, you can hold the arm bar for two minutes. It, it's, I, it's a lot closer on the control time. I agree with you a lot and on that, man. I freaking – of course, I kick myself in the head all the time in my match against Tex Johnson because if I would have – I chose the armbar position instead of going to the back in our overtime, I ended up losing by 11 seconds of ride time because he's just a, a gorilla. And when I went to go finish an armbar, he just turned and, and, and stood like literally like exploded into me and stood right back up again. But in general, when I'm practicing EBI, I feel like a lot of times if I want to eat some time off the clock, that spider web position will really – you can really just hold somebody there. Like if I don't want to go for the finish and I just want to kind of like kill time, like if I get my leg wrapped around my arm wrapped around that leg and I have a good bite on the arm bar and I'm biting my feet in, it's going to be very difficult for that guy to get out without the use of that leg to start to bridge in. And I can really eat up some ride time from that position. Now guys are getting better depending on how you go, but I agree with you too. You have to kind of combine things up and change it up a little bit. So yeah. I got a, I got a quick question for you too, man. Like we talked we talked about first of all, I agree with you that I like EPI. I mean, no no offense to to the other guys going out there. I just I just really feel like Eddie Bravo has a real true mind on not just making jujitsu competitions better, but taking jujitsu to the next level, which is that crossover appeal. And I think that's the reason why the fight pass jumped on it. I think they just put on great shows. They make it entertaining, they make it exciting. And having an overtime and having a winner matters no one wants to watch something and at the end see somebody's hand get raised up and be like what and who who won that why did somebody win that under whatever weird criteria that people don't get or a draw worst case scenario but sitting through an ebi rules meeting is that not the most california thing you can ever imagine <laughs> in your entire life it's insane i literally like you're in the meeting Eddie Bravo is asking questions, and he's not really telling you what the rules are. He's literally asking you, like, well, what do you guys think about these rules? And, like, I've never seen anything. Like, all these competitors who are super amped up about being on ABI are like, um, I don't know if we should let that be legal. Eddie, why don't you just tell us what the rules are? <laughs> <laughs> it's Correct. Am I, am I wrong there? Am I wrong there, Austin? You're too, you're totally right. They'll get into conspiracy theories. It'll just be it'll be craziness. Don't you know? And also, if you're a competitor, don't ask too many questions because this man will get into like a 15 minute tangent. Uh, like a good example of this, I had a I had a question at the first event I did. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good question because uh, he said after a minute you get on the ground. Um, so if, if it's, it's CJJ, uh, if there's a minute of no stand up, he will blow a horn and then you'll be, uh, started off in like a butterfly position. So my question is, what if I pull guard and then my partner doesn't fully engage, but I make contact and then I end up scrambling back on my feet. Does that now restart the timer 
or is that still on on like the you know doesn't count for the minute because we weren't really engaged on the ground or the guy didn't try to guard pass or throw strikes so anyways i decided to uh ask him just like slightly after the rules meeting and the dude roasted me for like i swear to god it was like 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) only a couple of people heard it though and he's like kid i know your game you're just trying to take it to overtime. I see you at Ultimate Matt Warriors. It was hilarious. It was, that's I, a, I, I was kind of glad. That's a pretty good Eddie Bravo, by the way. But Eddie, like across, the, like literally, like Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. There's two people. There's Eddie, Eddie Bravo, the personality, and there's Eddie Bravo, the person. And like, dude, he is such a cool dude, man. He really is. When I went to training at the academy one time, and like, I've never just like stayed after like Eddie Bravo owes 300 schools, and I'll tell this story all the time. Stays after class. And mops his own mats. You know, you know what I mean? Like this guy's this guy's doesn't have to do it. He can pay some kid to do it, but it's like he does it because that's just who he's a super humble, super such just a down-to-earth dude. Out there, California-wise, you know what I mean? Obviously on another level mentally and spiritually, but just a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. Uh love the dude. Best promoter in jujitsu. I think he did, you know, does the best events. He does a really professional event, and I think for like a wide spectrum where most of the events, they really pay out the top-level competitors. And then the you know lower to mid-level, those guys are, you know, they're not on the anywhere near to the same like pay scale um, where everybody has the same opportunity, I feel like, in the, the EBI events. Um, so love what he's doing. He's a great promoter, great guy. What do you... Uh, I was I was Go gonna ahead, take I was gonna yeah. take it real quick just because uh, we've kind of glossed over the fact that you are now a a title holder in subspectrum. You've got the flyweight belt. Uh, looks really good on you, by the way. Like there was Thank this. Actually, I actually Thank got a picture of you just sort of like sitting watching the matches, like lounging with it on you, and you're just like not a care in the world. Got this belt. Come take it. Um, do you have any? any kind of matchups you'd want to see like any, any sort of opponents you'd want to face to defend what is now yours. Uh, yeah. Kayatera come at me. Phenomenal. Mikey. Where you at? Where you at? Any baby <laughs> steps? You, <laughs> you know, gonna, gonna be completely honest. Uh, also, so like, you know, 25 is I, – I definitely cut some weight down there. Um, I have now done three events at 25. Um, this was the first one I did. It was a single match, and it wasn't a tournament format. And I have not lost a match at 25. Um, so, you know, it's it's a weight class. It's really small. doesn't get as much, you know, respect. Maybe rightfully so. Maybe not. <laughs> just on the competitors. But honestly, like – any high level competitor, I, I just want the best guy. Whether it's 25, it's 35, it's 45, uh, you know, I want to compete against high level grapplers, guys with good skill sets, and hopefully <laughs> guys that have really big names and not as good skill sets. That's always the goal. Wins a bell. I, I, want, I want big names. Real quick, wins a belt at 125, first interview after winning a belt at 125. 
No one respects people at 125. I love they it. Don't. They don't. It's just a fact. Uh, yeah, I'm like, you guys are just so cute. It's like, pick you up, put me on, put you on my shoulders, walking around. Hey, buddy, how you doing there, little buddy? You're just like, oh, this this is like a toy WWE belt. I got it. Toys are <laughs> my little grappling doll here. That, that being said, I've won four absolute divisions. Okay, so I've I'm only not doing some fat dudes. You opened that door up. Legs. <laughs> Um, I got, I got, well, I got one more question. I wanted, I wanted to get your opinion on when we were talking about Eddie Bravo and, and the genius of Eddie Bravo because I really think he's my a guy. Yeah, he, he is. He's he he he's done such a good job of bringing professional jujitsu to the next level. You know, Seth Daniels kind of run with, ran with it, and it's built off of that. Ryan McGuire is built off of that with their close grappling and some of the other things. But I really think that Eddie Bravo and Metamorphs, you know, if you want to talk about it, are really the guys that have. Holic. Really, really, I and we'll stick it with we'll stick it with Eddie Bravo. Have really taken yeah. <laughs> competitive jujitsu, professional jujitsu to the next level and and tried to make it a marketable event. What do you think about CJJ? Because I I think that Eddie Bravo, and I think he already realizes it. I think that he wrongly thought that cjj was going to be the thing and he dumped all of his energy i remember i interviewed him after uh after a combat jiu-jitsu match one time and he broke the story right there that he's not doing ebis anymore it's going to be all cjj events um from here on out i think he wrongly assumed that cjj was going to be the thing that crossed over do you think that's hurt him or helped him you think it's any uh what, do you th- what are your opinions on that that's a tough one that's a tough one because i do want to compete on that next 135 (laughs) combat jujitsu event eddie so there's eddie right there 135 if there's ever 25 which probably won't do 135 real quick austin i gotta say of all of our guests you've done the best job at selling yourself on this show like i I am impressed with your showmanship right now (laughs) um i do think Honestly, people, they love the fucking regular EBI events. And there's, like, no better way to promote jiu-jitsu than his submission only with the overtimes. People love that. You had Gordon Ryan. You had Eddie Cummings. You know, Gary Tonin come up in those EBI events. And we fucking loved it. I was watching every every single show. That being said, I... I don't dislike the combat jiu-jitsu and I think it's kind of ridiculous that some of the really good jiu-jitsu guys like, Oh, we throw in a, we throw in a slap. This totally changes everything, especially when the skill sets you're seeing win the event, it's not like they're heavy ground and pound skill sets. It's like, they're just the best grappler. Tom Haplin did throw one strike and he won my division with ease. He literally like, just like faked a slap and just totally stopped. He's like, no, no, no. Just pump faked him. Won the whole event. Zero strikes. So, yes, I I definitely think there there's a place for the combat jiu-jitsu. But I think the EVI changed the game. And I think people really want to see that. Yeah, I, 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 I think that um, Eddie was struggling to, cr- to create a bridge for BJJ to become exciting to the everyday guy. You know what I'm talking about? Because like me and you love jujitsu. 
Kev, I know you love to watch jujitsu, but a lot of times guys that don't know, and sometimes I don't, to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm like, I don't fucking do jujitsu. Wow. No, no, but I mean, but I'm just being honest. So jujitsu, <laughs> yeah. you said it earlier. Jujitsu can be boring sometimes. No matter, you could watch jujitsu and you're just like, what in the hell is going on here? But I think that in Eddie's struggle to try to find a format that would make the sport more exciting, he ended up diluting the purity of it. Because I really believe that jujitsu in and of itself, if you do the right things, you have the most the right production value, you have the right rule set that should, to make sure there's a winning, uh, there's drama to the overtimes and all the other things. I think that there is still excitement in watching a BJJ match. I really think the points sometimes solidify it a little bit more, make it easier to follow, just so you have, okay, hey, this is happening, X, Y, Z, just for your mom and pop at home. But I love – EBA is amazing. Like EBI literally created – what we call to be modern professional jujitsu. Everybody else just kind of jumped off that bandwagon. And, and and of the current pantheon of like high level stars, guys on the bleeding edge, how many of them, like you, you were saying, Austin, cut their teeth in EBI, made them made their names off of EBI, you know? And yeah. I feel like everything since then that Eddie has produced has failed to be that level of platform for launching people or like making people. You know, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I do feel like there's guys who've who've made you know big names in the the combat jiu-jitsu scene. They just they would have been EBI champions. They just would have been EBI champions. Yeah, like John Thor Blank. He's a good example. He did oh, yeah. fucking phenomenal at ADCC. Killed it at combat jiu-jitsu. And that you know, then Kasai, everything up to that. He probably you know just would have been the EBI yeah. champion, right? My guy Dan Martinez, one of my my train with him. Freaking twice a week, he 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 won the Mexico City EBI. He probably would have. He was on that car with with Thor. He probably would have won a regular EBI. Honestly, I think if he had an opportunity to be up to doing a regular EBI. Yeah, so I, I do think there's something to that where it's like, yeah, the EBI made it, but also the combat jiu-jitsu is doing the exact same thing. I I feel like the attention isn't as as big. Okay. Yeah. You know, like that's what I mean is that you're seeing the same level of competitiveness. You're seeing the same level of people. And like, look, look at Wagner, like combat jujitsu champion, easily like capable of being like that caliber of athlete. Like we've seen him like go against the best of the best. Um, but the eyes aren't there. I have to, I have to disagree with you a little bit on the caliber of talent attracted to CJJ as opposed to, uh, to EBI. And I don't want to say it's second tier, but I don't believe that it's attracting as many. I mean, I guess. I guess there was a few events, but I still think that grapplers want to grapple. And they're like, I don't know, if I want to do MMA, I'd get punched in the face to do MMA. I don't think that it's attracting the same high, high, super high level guys that the EBI would have if it was just a plain grappling event. And I think it's sad because I think EB, I think Eddie Bravo has lost a little momentum because he dumped all that energy into CGI, particularly now with professional jiu-jitsu exploding to what it is. Go back go if you if you're watching Eddie, go back to uh go back to EBI. We miss it and love it. CGA we're going to we're going to clip this this part of the episode and the title is just going to be hey Eddie, please bring back EBI. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying ditch combat. We're not we're, we're not saying ditch overtime. We're not just but like come on. Bring bring it back. <laughs> as I as I mark the minutes down so when I go through and edit, I can uh, I can put yeah. the piece But together. Austin, I do want to say like we always appreciate a good conversation. We're happy that you know, we have someone on that like can tell can talk to us about some of the benefits and positives of combat jujitsu that we might, as fans of EBI, 
not have paid attention to like that. Like you give like now I want to rewatch some some uh, combat jujitsu matches that I might have missed. You know, because like and that Eddie first and uh, me, it's a good it's a good rewatch. Hey, hey, Eddie. <laughs> and like like that, I think my favorite was probably that first one. Like the first match on the first one was like Nick Pace and I forget who else he who he was fighting or but uh like he had a really that was a really good one. Me and Nick um, Pace too. That was a good match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh Austin, I think that's uh it's a good time to call it, but uh do you have anything that you'd want to throw out there plug here at the at the close of the episode? Besides, no you've, you've, you've been plugging shit this whole time, but I'm like, <laughs> I know you got other stuff in the tank, man. All right, guys. Got a shout out to my sponsors. Got my originals, Happenstance Coffee, Coffee and Kimura, Devilfish, oh shit, AEP, <laughs> and Our Life CBD. Best in the game. Check them out. Are you repping two different coffee companies? No. So one is an apparel <laughs> company and one's just actual coffee. Oh right! I love okay. I love my coffee. Uh, <laughs> and super cool guys. One's the, the apparel company is over in Europe, and hopefully I'm gonna be able to get out there and do a seminar tour coming up this next year. Oh, awesome, man! And and uh, you sure you you want to call out Coyotera again? In case you didn't hear that first one. <laughs> Where you at, Coyotera? Where you at? Um, yeah, there's a plenty of good matches. Uh, who is it? It's, I think, uh, who just went against, uh, Kai Tower? Gabe, is it Gabe Tuttle? Uh, maybe I'm not, I'm yeah, not sure. I, I still don't fight to fight win, to right? Win, fight to yeah. win. He's really fucking good. I'd love a match with him. Uh, it wouldn't have to be at 25. He's a black belt, 10th planet, amazing grappler. I think that'd be a really cool match too. Let's get you a match with my boy, Spencer Mumi too. We'll get him out there for you, man. Spencer's a good match for you. Spencer Mumi. That'd be another good yeah. match. No, uh, good that guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I'm not going to go into it, but. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, either, either way, you're entertained. Either way, either way, you're just shaking your head going, what the hell? Yeah, I've had many man. conversations with him. I've known him for a long time. Good story uh, at one of the EBI events, but not, not yeah. the time or the place. Not made for radio <laughs> all right come and get this strap off of austin all you high level black belts out there <laughs> come get some come get some all right well this has been a very fun episode of the jiu-jitsu times podcast i have been your host kevin bradley joined as always by my co-host mr kevin gallagher and joined by the immaculate austin daffron austin Thank you very much for joining us. And to all you listeners at home, we will see you next time.